Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, the Herd Nerds, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week, so keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Welcome back to the Thundercast inaugural episode. You got a little bit about what we're all about in our introductory episode, but now this is episode one of the Thundercast, your independent martial athletics podcast brought to you by 304carwreck.com, your car accident and personal injury specialists. Uh, When life happens, and it often will, make that call to 304carwreck.com. Visit those websites if you're in Kentucky at 606carwreck.com and in Ohio, 740carwreck.com. Don't tackle the insurance companies on your own. Let these guys do the heavy lifting for you. This is what they do for a living. They're the pros. They do this every day. We do it when bad things happen. 304carwreck.com if you need them. Uh, Russ, the Thundercast is here. It's episode one. We've got a lot going on this week in herd athletics. Spring ball is underway. Uh, softball and baseball are into uh, CUSA League play. Uh, soccer is back in it. I mean, we got a lot going on. There's some stuff we're going to talk about that's um, just some cool stuff like facilities type stuff coming up. So let's dive into the, you know, the first item on the agenda, I guess, is what everybody wants to know about, and that's spring football. But before we get into that, find the podcast on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod, uh, Russ Livingood at Russ Livingood, one G, well, one S, one G, two O's. <laughs> and me, there you go. You got son it. of Marshall, uh, find the podcast anywhere you'd like to enjoy your podcast on Spotify, iHeart, Apple, uh, the Apple podcast and the Google Play Store. Um, Please like, subscribe, leave a comment, a rating, drive those herd fans to this show because we're not going to rest until we're at the top of the heap here as far as martial athletics coverage, conversation, and everything you need for stats, info, insights, and analysis. But before spring ball, Russ, give me five things we need to know. All right, here's five things you need to know. Uh, Number one, Tamar Slay has joined the basketball coaching staff and will be replacing Scott Rejo. Uh, number two, softball. Uh, had a walk-off comeback win against Charlotte on Saturday. Uh, they also won 4-3 to three to complete the sweep on Sunday, and they have now ran their record up to 22-9. and nine. Uh, For football, season tickets uh, renewals, they're underway. They're giving away uh, some really cool drawings for people that have renewed uh in the in the coming weeks a couple of those have already been drawn uh make sure to renew your seat to get in on that information's on herd zone uh four marshall has wrapped up uh, all the visits from the finalists from the provost and uh we're likely going to get some news on a new hire on that fairly soon and five, Randy Moss called me dog once in college. <laughs> Can confirm the fifth one for sure. I've heard that <laughs> one for the last 20 years. Um, but, hey, that's big news. Number one, I hadn't heard. That's big news, man. Tamar Slay returning to Marshall uh, to join the basketball coaching staff. Of course, he's a herd all-timer. Mac era great. Uh, d- spent some time in the league. Played for the Nets. Uh, this is uh, very much in time when I was an undergrad. I mean, this is this is my wheelhouse. Tamar was 
at Marshall the same time I was. Uh, some interesting notes there. I was going to touch on softball here in a little bit. Uh, very impressive. I, I caught myself following along on the Twitter feed uh, with those games going on this weekend, and boy, they were exciting. And if you missed that uh, video, that little blurb that was tweeted out about Maya Stevenson doing the dance on the base, that was awesome. I mean, I had to. <laughs> it was great. I, I used that if you if you saw uh, about uh, you know saying like this is what every herd fan did when the announcement was made. Yeah. We're going to the Sun Belt. Um, yeah, I saw that. It's so, an all time uh, all time Marshall Jeff already you know, <laughs> yeah a, a reaction yeah. Jeff. yeah for sure this is a super exciting team they, they i don't know that there's a team in our athletic department that has more organic fun than the softball team and uh, it's been that way them. for a long time such a great culture yeah. surrounding that program hey i tell you i i went over there i didn't get to go to the game on saturday but i was in the area so i drove by because i knew they were playing and there was a really good crowd. Um, there were uh, lots of people in the bleachers, but also uh, beyond the fence, right along Third Avenue there uh, to where, you know, they're right right there looking in from center field uh, and the outfield. Uh, packed. Very good. Uh, I can't wait to go to a game, maybe take the kids or whatever. But there's some some energy around that program. Yeah, before I moved to Florida, um, I caught a few games at the dot, and um, it's a cool venue to watch a game. You know, I mean, it's it's um, it's not too big and it's not too fall, uh, it's not too small. It's very uh, it's very intimate, right? Because there's not a really a bad place to to sit because there's not that many seats, so you're really close to the action. You can hear all the hooting and hollering, and uh, those girls just kind of giving it hell in the dugout with all their cheers and 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 uh, Heaven help you if you happen to be out and there's a rain delay because there is definitely going to be some fun had by those girls. It's 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 well documented the kind of fun that they have when they're in a rain delay. So um, if you haven't, if you're around town and you've got nothing to do, nothing going on, swing by the dot and catch a softball game if it's going on. I guarantee you'll have a good time. Uh, this is a team that uh, you know in in recent years, really I guess probably since back around what 2012 2013. There was kind of a corner being turned with the program, and they started winning a lot more often. And uh, that's when, um, you know, some more people started to take notice. And um, to be honest, they really haven't lost that, lost a step. I mean, you can't win them all, all the time, but this, this program has done a really good job of, of being successful for the last decade, decade plus. And um, it's going to be, you know, what, what, could be considered a cornerstone athletic program as we move into the Sun Belt. We've talked about how important baseball and softball and stuff is in the in the South and in the Sun Belt Conference, and you know, being able to bring in a winner to that conference immediately is uh, it's going to be a big deal. So get out and support the girls. Um, those gals have a lot of talent all over the field. So um, it's an entertaining um, it's an entertaining way to spend an afternoon at the dot. You know, and I, I think that it's another one of those things of if you build the facility and it yeah. is you invest in the program, it's a fun place to go. I've been to, you know, the soccer uh, field, you know, to or I'm sorry, the pitch. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I've been uh, been to some games there and it's a great place, uh, you know, so. It's another one of those things. Build the facility. It's a fun place to go. It's a destination. And, uh, you know, the programs seem to rise when you 
get that investment. Yeah, of course. I mean, geez, when we started at Marshall, the softball field was right behind uh, Twin Towers. My dorm room. Yeah, yeah, it was right behind my dorm room. And, uh, you know, I, they held – I had intramural softball class on that field, you know. Yeah. So it was, like, truly a multi-purpose field. And um, we, they, we played intramural uh, yeah. softball, you know, on that field as well. That's right. We did play intramurals there. And uh, when they built the dot – they moved, you know, intramural. I remember playing down where uh, the soccer stadium is now. And that's that's mm-hmm. where we played some intramural ball. So, um, but yeah, you're right. Build it, and and they will come. the uh, The uh, trajectory of that program has really just gone up. I mean, you know, you plateau a little bit, and then you go back up because inevitably sure. things change. Great players come and go, and you got to rebuild from here and there, and you got coaching changes and this, that, and the other. But head coach Megan Smith has taken on this program and really hasn't let it drop down. I mean, she just notched her hundredth career victory the other day in the series this weekend. It was on the Friday night, the day before that uh, dramatic come from behind win on Saturday. So, you know, they're doing their thing and uh, herd nation herd fans ought to be out there supporting these gals because they can make some noise and they're just damn fun to watch play ball. They're yeah. having a good time. And, and you see that, you know, when you're really good and, and the team's really close and, and they're having fun doing what they're doing, that just shines through. So get out there and support those gals when you can. Uh, what were we talking? Oh, season ticket renewals, big deal. Um, be sure to re- renew your football season tickets. I saw the list of some of those prizes they're giving away, and um, some of them uh-huh. are pretty awesome. I mean, they're they're pretty awesome. I, I think this week, if I'm not mistaken, is the week that uh, four tickets to the Notre Dame game are I being given right. away. I'm, I'm fairly certain it's this week. So, I, I mean, right. there are some – uh, and the very last week is uh, a new black <laughs> helmet. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if anybody knows that or doesn't know that yet. And I don't think, you know, I don't want you to think you have to wait and renew on the last week in order to win that. You do not. You no. just need to have renewed. So the sooner you By do it, time. the better yeah. chance you have at getting one of these prizes. So sure. um, if you're excited for football, like most uh, herd fans are, what are you waiting on? I mean, it ain't getting no cheaper. So secure those seats and um, lock in your tickets to see Huff's Herd once again. Uh, Provo Search is a big deal. You know, we talked about um, the hiring of Brad Smith, new university president. So Provost is also a big deal. I've been kind of keeping eyes on that from a distance just because, you know, it's it's academic side of things. And, you know, it's it's big news when it happens. But um you know, I can't say that I am truly as interested in a provost search as I am when it's like a head football coach search. I mean, let's just sure. call it or it the uh, or the president himself. You know, yeah. that that's that, that's something that gets more eyes. But I did take a cursory glance at the finalists and uh, looked at a couple of their resumes, as it were. And uh, there's some impressive people on there, and it's a, it's an important hire. So. I'm looking forward to the news. Unfortunately, I don't know anything more than they have just all visited as of this weekend. Yeah. Okay. Well, so it, it, getting closer, but let's talk about yes. spring ball. I mean, it's, it's here, it's yeah. underway, a handful of practices under the belt. If you uh, haven't been keeping up with uh, coach Huff and his uh, post practice videos, they're usually on YouTube. Jake Griffith has been following around Huff and uh, getting uh immediate reaction following practice and stuff. Love Jake. Been a longtime uh, supporter of things that I've done in the past. And uh, in, uh, once word gets out that we're doing this, hopefully uh, we can count on Jake to be another, be a continued supporter. Really like that guy. 
Um, he does a fantastic job. I like listening job. to him. I love listening to him on basketball calls. Uh, he and Bob Bowen, uh, particularly, but uh, Jake's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, Marshall's really lucky to uh, have him. Um, just, just, just a stud at what he does and um, how he's elevated. You know the 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 play by play game and and the video um, the video aspect and and all that. I mean, he's just taking it to another level. So, um, excellent job, Jake. We know you do a great job, but we're going to shout you out anyway. Spring ball, Russ. Uh, beginning the series of spring ball discussion this week. First week. Everything's all new. So I guess the first you got to start with the biggest question marks surrounding this program at position groups. You know, there are a lot of other things, but what are the three biggest question marks at position groups? Three to one. Let's go number three to number one. Let's not, uh, you know, just start with number one and work our way down. So you've got a list of, of three positions. I've got a list of three positions. We haven't uh, compared our list. So um, it's a good chance that several of them are the same so uh talking spring ball what is your number three biggest question mark position group coming into 2022 my number three is kicker and uh you know sometimes that's overlooked maybe it's not as sexy of a position but last year we were one for four from the 30s and two for four from the 40s and we only had 13 attempts all year amongst two kickers uh, to me, there has to be confidence in the kicker and the ability to hit some 40 yarders and the occasional 50. You know, you and I have seen games changed from some big time legs. And that's a question mark for me. Yeah. I mean, 2019, you don't have to go any farther back than 2019. Justin Rowasser's not on that roster. They don't beat Western Kentucky. They don't do it. One of the most clutch yeah. kicking performances I've ever seen. The guy set two career highs in that game, if you'll recall. Um, and, oh, I was there live. I mean, as was I, but I'm just, I think I was. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I was. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, he sets a career high earlier in the game, and then he has to set an even longer career high to win the game. And, oh, by the way, he has to kick that 53-yarder three times in a row. Um, so a kicker is absolutely does not go under the radar for me. It's something that um, I fully appreciate. And uh, the, the level of, of, I don't know the quite a, the right adjective I want to put on it, but, but the, um, the, the level of, of importance that you have to place on a kicker to get you through clutch situations or to just put points on the board when you're trying to get something going. I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't fall on deaf ears. So, yes, uh, Shane Chuchi is transferred out. Um, and now the, who's going to be the kicker? That's the question, right? So uh, there's, there's some guys on the roster. I mean, you know, Marshall brought in one of the bigger punters in the, in the, in the class uh, or in the class coming out of West Virginia a year ago, and John McConnell, and he was a double dipper. He does punting and he does kicking. Will he be the guy that, that wins out? We'll see. But um, – yeah, excellent. Number three for me is safety. I mean, you're losing Brandon Drayton and Nazi Johnson right off the rip. Not so yeah. these are two Nazi Johnson to me is an all-timer. All-timer. I love yeah. that guy's story. Starts as a walk-on Martinsburg kid, works his way all the way up to being an all-conference player, Burlesworth trophy nominee. I mean, what more can you ask for out of a kid? He's just been great. So consistent. Yeah. Brandon Drayton had great years. 
early on bumps in the road, had to miss a year and came back like gangbusters last year to prove that he was the weapon we all thought he was going to be and that we all needed mm -hmm. in that secondary. So now both those guys are gone. What do you do? That's a huge question mark for me. And I have full faith that these guys are going to get it right and get it figured out. And I also have faith that there are guys on the roster, but you lose two all conference caliber players. One, in my opinion, like I said, is an all timer. You can't help but go, okay, we got to get this right kind of quick. Um, yeah. I mean, it's always next man up, but you know, that's a heck of a shoes to fill kind of thing like you're talking about. And uh, I know we're going to get into this later uh, on during this series, but his performance, Nazi Johnson at the pro day with the vertical, uh, you know, I'm sure people have seen that gif yeah. circulating on, on, uh, you know, that's the kind of guy, the athlete that, that you're talking about trying to replace. So, yeah. Yeah. Number two, Russ, what's your number two biggest question mark position group going into 2022? So for me, it's wide receivers. Um, I think that, um, you know, obviously Willie Johnson uh, seems like he was here forever. He was, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I, I think he was here, uh, uh, you know, in, in the eighties. Uh, but, but no, uh, Corey Gamage had 78 receptions and uh, over 800 yards last year. But to me, we need more consistent play from either the rest of the group or all of the group. And by that, I mean, every now and then, I don't know if it's some, as much perception and I didn't go back and look it up, but some people would have a big week and then they just weren't there the next week. And I would like to see consistency. And you remember back in the days when we were in college, uh, you know, your three top three wide receivers, they were just spreading the ball all around the field and all of them were weapons. And if someone was locked down and targeted by the, the secondary, then that just meant they were getting burned by the other guy, the number two and the number three. So that for me, I, I want the entire wide receiver group to, have a little more consistency and, and maybe, you know, the, the number two, number three receivers, um, you know, stepping up and, and getting as many targets and or production that the, you know, number one guy's getting. No, a wide receiver for me doesn't fall in the top three. And I'll tell you why. Um, we dealt with some injury last year to leak Keaton missed a lot of time. And that dude is just he a did. straight weapon. If he's on he the is. field, you are dangerous. And if you couple him with guys like Shadid Ahmed, with um, Corey Gamage, um, with Jaden Harrison, I mean, you start to get a lot of depth really quickly. And there are guys behind them that are poised to make a, a step, like guys I thought might break out last year but just didn't find the field. Guys like Caleb Coombs in Huff's first signing class was a guy that was uh, supposed to go to Alabama and decided to come with Huff to – to Marshall. So um, the redshirt freshman now, so he's got a year into the system, um, still going to have, you know, all a complete complement of eligibility. And he's got a year in a college strength program. He's got a year learning the offense, all that kind of stuff. So guys that have been on the roster that haven't necessarily seen a lot of playing time might burst on the scene, quote unquote, for some people and go, wow, where'd this guy come from? Uh, but keep your ears, you know, to, to uh, guys like Caleb Coombs, EJ Horton, you know, these young guys that were in the previous signing class that now get to make a go of it potentially with the uh, 
departure of guys like Willie Johnson. Yes, Willie was here forever. But here's another thing you got to talk about when you think about wide receiver. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not here to dog any former players, but uh, we had a quarterback that was very hot and cold, very hot and cold. Mm-hmm. So unless you have a very consistent quarterback, um, your wide receivers are going to struggle a little bit, you know. So we went almost – I mean, we were well halfway through the season before Corey Gamage found the end zone. Every week yeah. we were on the, uh, you know, on my former podcast going, how is this happening? The guys. I think it was the eighth game. Yes. It uh, was like towards the end of the year. And he finally gets in the yeah. end. And we're like, how is this possible? Yeah. The dude is like six foot four, 220 pounds. How has he not found the end zone yet? So that in and yeah. of itself proves to be an anomaly. I think this year that doesn't happen this year. Well, so that's a valid point. And, uh, you know, we also, threw the ball a lot to Ali out of the backfield. Yeah, you know, He had over 40 receptions. He was our second leading uh, receiver on the team uh, as far as receptions go. But I guess, you know, independent of the quarterback, um, I know that we have the weapons. Uh, your points about these guys being weapons, I know they're there. I just want that consistency week to week was my concern about it. But I 100% agree with you on you know you've got to be able to get them the ball and uh you know i i do think we'll be fine right now i just don't know who it's going to be and what kind of production they're going to have week well it has to be it has to be has to be ahmed keaton and gamage that has to be your three-headed monster because they're all so dangerous in their own right. Shadita Med had a great year last year coming out of, again, quote unquote, nowhere, even though he had right. a very impressive spring and a very impressive green and white game. Um, but those three guys have to be your big three. They've been here, done that, so to speak, with this program for a number of years. And you toss in Jaden Harrison, who was the Vanderbilt transfer last year, who made waves on special teams and made some big plays through the air later in the season. So now – you think, all right, I can count on this guy too, but I know where you're going. You're thinking of of yesteryear when you didn't see Josh Davis dropping passes. You know, you didn't see mm-hmm. Tommy Schuler dropping passes. You knew if it was third and eight mm-hmm. and it was going to Josh Davis, we were going to get a first down. If he was open and, yep. and he was going to catch, it was first down. Same thing with Tommy Schuler. So I understand what you're saying. It doesn't always have to be the 50-yard over-the-top bomb for the score. Just give me a constant, consistent third and six through third and ten pickup. You know, one or two we need more times a game. Uh, possession receivers that we have thrived every time that we've had one of those. You mentioned two of them, and then uh, maybe the all-time for us if uh, if Schuler's not it, because uh, that's that's a hard hard uh, hurdle to jump. But uh, you know, Troy Brown when he was here was yeah. a possession receiver. He stretched the field, but he was a possession receiver. Uh, but yeah. Um, I, that's what I'm looking for. An emergence right. of somebody like that also takes the load off of Rasheen Ali having to catch that ball out of the end zone a handful of yeah. times per game. So that's fewer hits yeah. he's going to take per game. So his longevity to build the ability to stay healthier throughout the duration of a season um, increases if we have some uh, Marshall receiver or receivers step up and become that guy. So excellent point. Number two for me and is it, the offensive line. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but number two for me nope. is the offensive line. Um, so many all-timers are gone from this line from a year ago. Some guys return. Some big players are, are returning. Some guys that have had some snaps and uh, played some meaningful time. But you can't look me in the face and say the loss of Will Ulmer, Alex Millette, Alex Seguero doesn't matter. <laughs> 
it matters. Right. I mean, it matters. These guys are great, great offensive linemen that played a lot of ball with each other along the same line. It's not like they were on the roster and two of them played and they never played together. No, 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 no. This was a lot of meaningful snaps together being three of the five members on that line. So for that reason, this is a huge area of concern for me. They did a phenomenal job of keeping the quarterback clean the last number of years. So now you're, you're, you've got a lot of new on that offensive line and um, in the backfield as far as the quarterback goes. And, you know, uh, speaking of new, you've got Trent Holler uh, came in from East Carolina. Uh, I love that name, by the way, yeah. probably because – in, in Mingo County, Gilbert, West Virginia, you know, we had hollers growing up. So uh, I just love that, that name, but uh, no, there, there's a lot of turnover. And I mean, this is where you win and lose a game Every right game. there on the offensive line. Uh, very, very good number two for you because um, I just wasn't even thinking of them and that we lost a lot. A whole you know? lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now there, like I said, there have been there will be some guys that that have played some ball returning for Marshall, and they made some effort in the portal. You know that you mentioned Trent Holler coming over from East Carolina. He's guys played some ball at this level. Mm-hmm. Um, been there, done that. So this is not a uh, kind of learn as you go scenario. He's he's going to be able to step in and contribute immediately. Last year, uh, there was a transfer come over from Purdue. Stephen, I, I don't uh, know if it's Fosho. Fosho. Fosho, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think that's it, Fosho. <laughs> Converted defensive lineman to offensive lineman, but still he probably played uh, both ways in high school, so it's not totally yeah. new to him at all. Um, probably was recruited out of high school at both positions, you know, and, and I don't know the whole story, but, you know, look for him to step in. But there are guys uh, like um, – hold on. Get, the name will come to me here in a second. I'm just I'm just drawing a blank. Um, Logan Osborne, local kid from Cabell Midland, played some ball for the herd yep. last year along the offensive line. Dalton Tucker has played some ball, and he's a big dude, man, big dude, six foot seven, three twenty five. Um, love that, love that size protecting my quarterback. And then you look for guys that also local guys that um, were are, are a couple recruiting classes in now. Um, Tristan Tristan Bittner and um, you know, Eric Meeks comes down from Cincinnati in this most uh, recent class. A guy that Huff has actually talked about is coming along, making some making some progress. So the offensive line room is by no means bare, but I can't mm-hmm. sit here and tell you they're going to be as good as they were last year with the losses of a guy like Alex Millette and Will Ulmer. I mean, Ulmer has the most career starts of anybody on the offensive line ever. And Will Ulmer didn't yeah. – or I'm sorry, and Millette didn't allow a sack in like two years. Not a sack, yeah. I mean, geez. That's just you don't plug and play that. I mean, that's 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 rarefied talent. So, hopefully, these guys can can rise to the occasion and get it right uh, more often than not. But uh, that's a big area of a concern for me. Yeah, and I don't know about these guys, so I'll ask you. But you know, just looking up and down the roster here, you've got uh, Ethan Driscoll that's six nine three fourteen. Yeah, on on the list, uh, redshirt junior. Um, I don't know. That's a question mark for me, uh, just because I don't know. Uh, and then the same with uh, six seven three ten Kendrick Sartor. Um, I don't know about him. He's in his sixth year. Yeah, so Sartor played roster. quite a bit last year, um, and as well did uh, Tyshawn Hurst. So we'll we'll see 
uh, how those well we'll see if uh, Hurst can can make the leap and I know he's a guy that Huff likes a whole lot as well again they made some moves so you know they knew they were losing some guys they they knew that this mm-hmm. was going to be an area of need and a big area of need so um well I, I've got faith right I mean you've got you've got some legendary type coaches uh working the offensive line there so you know you can Marshall's been strong at the offensive line for well over a decade now. I can't point to any one season and go, you know, the offensive line was a true weakness there. So it's not like they've had to reload in the past. I mean, they have. They've lost all-timers in the past. I mean, you look a few years ago, you know, we lose one of the best centers to ever uh, take a snap for the herd, Levi Brown, and we're like, okay, how is this going to go now? Who's going to be the guy now? And it turns out that, you know, they they played a little bit of uh, Millette there. They played a little bit of Segaro there. And it all worked out. So, you know, you got to have faith in these guys. Russ, who's your, what's your number one position group question mark heading into 2022? I would be shocked if you and I do not have the same number one (laughs) uh, quarterback. (laughs) Um, Uh, By a long way. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, with Grant Wells transferring to Virginia Tech, um, you know, he had two years here for us. we're looking at no matter what replacing 3,532 yards, 16 passing touchdowns and seven on the ground, you know, 23 total touchdowns. Um, Who is it going to be? You know, you've got uh, the transfer coming in, but he's not uh, here for spring ball. Uh, You've got some promising true freshmen that were in this class, but do they play? Do they red shirt? Um, just a huge question mark, obviously. There are exactly one quarterbacks on the roster that has taken a snap in a herd uniform. And that was third stringer last year, uh, Cam Fancher. And he's a red shirt freshman. So um, Grant Wells is gone. And um, Zaban, Luke Zaban of the Huntington Zabans is also not listed on the roster. So he has apparently moved on somewhere. Uh, unless he has changed positions, he is not listed as a quarterback on the current 2022 roster at this moment. Right. Um, so you got, there it, are some others, there are some others not listed on there for different reasons. Well, they may not be enrolled yet, yet, right? I mean, you got yeah, Cole they're Pennington. Not, they're not committed. He, he's not on the, he's not on the roster, but he he's still yeah, in high school. And our trans. Our transfer, as mentioned, is not here, so he's not on Correct. the uh, roster right but now. So. Either, even if they are on the roster, they still have never taken a snap in a herd uniform. So we right. have exactly one quarterback, Cam Fancher, redshirt freshman, um, who has taken a snap in a herd uniform. So that's the hugest question. Who's going to be the guy? Now, um, if you're a betting man, you're probably, probably thinking it's going to be Texas Tech transfer uh, Henry Columbia. Like you don't transfer in and think you're not going to be the guy, right? Why would you come in and, but we, you know, it, also if you come in and think, well, this is my job, you know, it, it being handed to me, maybe you're coming in under false pretenses. It, we all know that competition brings out the best in everybody. So, um, but yeah, there's some intriguing prospects here, uh, but you know, none of them have taken a snap again in a herd uniform. So you got a lot of freshmen, um, I think there were three freshmen in the class. I think that yep. came through. Yep. Um, a Harrison, couple of them. Zamora, and uh, Pennington. Yeah, 
And there are a few more that are on the roster as well. So you really, in my mind, I think you have a probably a four man race um, at the at the outset uh, between uh, Fancher and Columbia and Harrison and Zamora because all those guys were raved about. Now nothing against Cole Pennington, but um, he was a very good high school quarterback at Sayer, right? Very very good. Mm -hmm. um, but I through the whole recruiting process. I kept hearing how Chase Harrison is wowing people. How, how is Marshall getting in on this guy? Peter Zamora right. flew under the radar and was on, and Marshall was on him so early in the recruiting process out of South Carolina that I think they just had so much of a leg up that it was an easy decision for him. And by all counts, mm -hmm. he dazzles. I mean, this is a kid yeah. that was throwing – with um, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. So take that for what it's worth, you know. He, he goes to a camp yeah. or something like that, and, and Brown's there, and he's like, hey, why don't you come back and be my quarterback or whatever. So Yeah, he seems to have that swag too, you know, uh, that uh, uh, that most of the time you want, that confidence yeah. from a quarterback, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, I don't want a quarterback that is not coming in here thinking I'm going to win this job. Right. You know, uh, but I mean, the point about Pennington, him not being enrolled here, he's going to be a step behind exactly. these other guys. And uh, I I fully expect he's going to be a red shirt this year. And, you know, we'll see where that goes for next year. I mean, this roster, this makeup is going to look completely different in August than it looks right now. Because if oh, you think, yeah. if you think Marshall's going to have like eight or nine quarterbacks on the roster, uh, I think – you're fooling yourself. So that's why I say mm -hmm. it's kind of a four-man race, right? You've got Columbia, who's already played Division One football for a number of years at Texas Tech, and he came from Utah State. And everybody's like, well, he had no stats at Utah State. Yeah, guess who, who he was backing up? Green Bay Packers backup quarterback Jordan Love. That's who he was number two behind. So he goes mm -hmm. to Texas Tech, and um, he has some success there. You know, we all know Texas Tech. When you think Texas Tech, you think – Air raid offense. Air and, raid offense. And that's not uh, – they didn't – they weren't running your typical, you know, Graham Harrell type, uh, Mike Leach type yeah. uh, air raid with him. But he's still a very, very good quarterback, and he's played against Big 12 defenses. So, yeah. you know, while we're going to see some good defenses in the Sun Belt, you're not going to go up and down the schedule and week in and week out see the same caliber of defensive player every single week. There are going to be some good team defenses that will play, but not every single week you're going to play the same caliber of defense as you are in the Big 12. The bottom line is he has faced much better competition than anybody else that we have in this race. Uh, people that are on or not on the roster right now uh, for spring ball, he is by far the most experienced in that because anyone else is either – Cam Fancher, who, uh, you know, got some playing time in, uh, in the game uh, that was a blowout win for us. And other than that, you've got uh, incoming freshmen. Yeah. You know, they, they're playing against high school competition. I don't care how good that competition was in high school. It's not, as you mentioned, Big 12 secondaries and linebackers. Yeah. It's the, the game speed is totally different. Of course it is, and it's it's other things too. I keep hearkening back and making the point, like when we talk about other 
position groups or other players, I say, well, he's had a year in a college strength program. He knows what's going yeah. on. That's a, such a huge developmental thing. It's such a yeah. huge deal to, for these guys to have something like that under their belt. And you know, when you think about Columbia, the other thing that should stick out to you is like, there's probably no, not too many moments that are, that are going to be too big for him because he's mm -hmm. played so much ball. He's seen, He's seen a lot of football played. He's had clutch moments that he's had to come through, and whether he has or he hasn't, I don't know. But um, you you like that he will probably come in with a good command of the huddle, a good command of situational ball. So uh, he has to have your leg up just for those factors. And then it comes down mm -hmm. to, is he a better quarterback than Chase Harrison? Is he a better quarterback than Cam Fancher, right? That, that's what it's going to yeah. have to be. Ultimately, you, you're going to have to make the decision of like, okay, this, this young guy's a better quarterback. Are we willing to take the bumps and bruises early on in the year while he gets accustomed to the game and, 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 and it starts to slow down for him? Or are we willing to go with – you know, the guy that's been there and done that, but don't, but isn't necessarily the, the more crisp quarterback. Now I don't know who's the best. Yeah. I have no clue. I'm just sure. saying if it right. comes down to that, those are the decisions you're going to have to make. Yeah. Do you want the one year bridge that Columbia brings uh, to, to that other can't miss prospect if he's that guy as yeah. you're talking, you know, if you've got a young guy, do you throw him in there when he's still, you know, filling out, you know, as a, as an athlete or um, you let him get that year in the program, in the offense, uh, just improve, be the understudy, that sort of thing and hit the ground running. next year. Excellent question that we cannot answer. Not at this point, but come June, Not July, yet. we'll have a better feeling of how this is shaping up. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, if who 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 else could it have been but your number one position group question mark? I mean, Grant Wells, I wish him nothing but the best. I am thankful for him uh, it, that he was a West Virginia kid that came to Marshall University and uh, led our university football program to some really, really, really high watermarks. Um, yeah, to a conference championship game. Um, it, you know, but you, you see the. I mean, the hot and cold of Grant Wells. I mean, he, he went out and had the five-touchdown game again in like 75 week and then comes right back the next week and has like the five-interception game. So yeah. it was very, very hot and cold. We were waiting for him to just ultimately settle it down and be that mo really more consistent guy. And uh, all for all the good things that he did, you know, there were almost equally a number of things that you wish didn't happen. Um, you know, usually when you lead the country in something, it's a great thing. But for most of the season last year, and I don't know how it shook out at the very end, you know, he was leading the nation in interceptions. And you just simply can't have that because if Rasheen Ali doesn't lead the nation in touchdowns and come out of nowhere for a lot of people to be this unbelievable runner, Marshall may have been a very, very sketchy team in the win-loss column. But uh, yeah. it's a new era. It's a new era. More for me was not just the interceptions because, you know, that's the thing. He had the big arm. He would, you know, be able to make these unbelievable passes, but then he would have some interceptions. Some of those came on tip balls. Some yeah, sure. Came They're on not those. always his fault. But they weren't. But the number one thing for me would be those games where it would be like 11 passes in and there's not been a reception. 
uh, yeah. completion yet, yeah. you know? And it, I mean, that that's just, it's a killer. You cannot get over that. Yeah. Um, so I wish him the best. Uh, I was a fan of Grant Wells. I think he's got all the potential in the world. And, uh, but it, he's leaving some big shoes to, to fill, even with the inconsistency that we've brought up. 3,500 yards, 23 total touchdowns. That's uh, pretty good for a second-year guy here. Of course it is, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just about the, the consistency, really. I mean, I hope he goes on to become an all-ACC quarterback. I really do. I have nothing sure. against the guy. I hope he succeeds. I hope he helps turn Virginia Tech around and they just go on a rip through a- the ACC. I, I really hope that happens. But all I'm saying yep. is, like, you're t- I'm talking about the yin and the yang. It's like you, you mentioned – you know, uh, starting 0 for 11, what arbitrary number it was. It's it's 2020 Conference USA title game doesn't complete a pass in the first half. And then the very right. last game that he ends up playing in a Marshall uniform against Western Kentucky, the finale last season, he is doing phenomenally, phenomenally yeah. until he gets knocked out of the game. I mean – and the, that, that game changed at, uh, instantly, instant, right on that play. Instantly. Yeah. It busts wide open – for Western Kentucky, they smell blood and they went into attack mode and that's all there was to it. And we saw how it ended up. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That was it. So I wish him the best, but yes, quarterback is the number one need question mark for the herd this year. Let's hope they can get it right. Cause there's some good teams in the Sun Belt, baby, but uh, Marshall's yeah. damn sure good enough to go in and win it in year one. Russ, yeah. let's talk about okay. what's going on around the herd. We talked about the sun with the softball team a little bit in the beginning. You mentioned that they are up to 22 and nine, six and three in Conference USA, fresh off a thrilling series victory against Charlotte at the dot this past weekend, uh, including that come from behind win on Saturday, uh, the win notching head coach Megan Smith, her 100th career victory for Marshall on Friday. They've got a couple of midweek games at Radford, and then they're heading down to Boca Raton to take on FAU in a weekend series. So keep rooting for the girls. Let's hope they uh, kick a little more ass and uh, maybe um, put a little bit of a stranglehold on the the owls down there in Boca. Baseball team is uh, trying to get it right. Just a couple of games under 500 as we record 12 and 14 and one they're playing right now. So that could either go to 12 and 15 or 13 and 14, but uh, they're riding a three game, uh, three series conference USA losing streak right now to uh, FIU and rice. And they've lost two of three. They're playing right now, like I said, against a UAB. So no matter what, how that one comes out, it'll be a series loss for the herd. Then they come uh, for a couple of midweek games against Virginia Tech, and then they've got WVU up in Morgantown. Uh, then they return to the Kennedy Center this weekend for a, a Conference USA series against Middle Tennessee. So, Russ, oh, and the soccer team. Soccer team, College Spring League yeah. started. Uh, they were back in action yesterday against Ohio State University where they went to a 0-0 tie through the overtime period and lost in penalty kicks. So, kind of a downer yeah. there. Uh, but what do you got? Uh, what do you got for me as we talk about around the herd? Well, so you covered a lot of it there. Um, one of the things we talked about earlier was if you build it, they will come, and the facilities. And since the dot and the soccer uh, complex have been built, how those programs have gone up. Let's talk briefly a little bit about uh, the baseball stadium, okay? You know, because that that program. Uh, is right now they are playing their games on Route 2, as we discussed, uh, at the Kennedy Center. Uh, 
they don't have a home of their own. Uh, you know, you go to the soccer complex and they've got these training rooms and such. That's what, you know, is needed for this program. Uh, maybe you get better recruits and stuff as well. Uh, a lot of people don't know, uh, but the place was originally going to be the side of the field on Fifth Avenue and it's no longer going to be there. Uh, right across from BASF and across the other way from ACF. Uh, it's not going to be there anymore. It's going to be behind the dot that we have talked about several times already. Uh, already a great location. You'll have softball and then right behind it, baseball, maybe a joint parking lot. I don't know the setup, but that's where it's going. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense because that allows you to build one set of training facilities, cages, pitching lanes, things like that. Yeah. And uh, have both teams right there to be able to utilize those things. Mm -hmm. So uh, interesting setup. Yeah, I think everybody or a lot of people were thinking, oh, great, man, it's going to be along Fifth Avenue and it'll be something cool to drive by. And you'll, you know, a couple blocks later and it'll be you'll drive, you'll be driving by the the uh, soccer stadium and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, a little change of sight. Don't know if everybody knew that or not, but uh, I think I think ultimately when they get done with it, that'll be a more user-friendly setup, a more um, uh, facilities-friendly setup. And I'm sure when they get it all done, it'll still be a very nice uh, venue as far as views and things like that go. So I know that they've already torn down the, um, the ACF buildings, right? I mean, that's not there. Yeah, so it's not – all of it's not torn down. I was – around there yesterday as well uh the main building as you're coming down third avenue toward huntington or marshall's campus uh the main first building that you came to it's torn down all the way to the flood wall the the brick yeah uh the, the brick building it's still up uh work is ongoing i mean you know it's uh, it, we're not down to the dirt dirt there's still material that's been torn down that has to be cleaned out and stuff like that but it's coming. Now, on this site, slightly further down that we're talking about behind the dot, uh, it has this warehouse that still needs to come down. Uh, again, I don't know the layout. I haven't seen it, but there is just already empty, empty space and empty field directly behind the dot right now. So there's not going to be near as much work that would have to be done as what was over on fifth avenue and everything over there all this industrial stuff that was either unused land or you know rarely used and and not utilized in in decades there's so much room kd i mean just like and this being closer to campus in my opinion is a win uh for the baseball stadium as well yeah, I mean, you can easier to walk to. Right. That's what I was going to say. You can shoot right through the uh, west lot and, you know, right there's the dot. And then all you got to do is go another half block or so. And you're right there at what will be a baseball stadium. Uh, yeah. I think it's far more of a user friendly setup. And yeah, like, I've, I, you know, I lived in and around Huntington for like the better part of 20 years. I mean, give or take a year or two. And never once, never once did I drive down that side street where the dot is and go all the way back to the you know, the, the flood wall. I mean, I know there's yeah. a lot of land there, you know, back kind of sort of where state electric is, but you know, you know what I mean? That part of that area, you know, where the old, uh, I get, what was that? The old, uh, the warehouse, the Inferno, Inferno. The, the club yeah. Inferno. <laughs> yeah. I never. Yeah, yeah. I, never I said the warehouse there. that was on, that was on down, uh, you know, around, around 14th street. But, 
so I have been over there a lot, and I have been uh, going to games before where uh, before I had my tailgate spots, some people that I was going to the games with parked like almost all the way down to the flood ball, you know, and had to walk back yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, this is a lot of land. Uh, one thing that I'll do, uh, I'll throw up uh, on our Twitter. Uh, I'll put up some aerial shots. So kind of show you guys what we're talking about, where it's supposed to be going, that sort of thing. And well, that'd be awesome. this is in the, this is in the future. I, I'm, this is nothing that, you know, I'm saying, hey, you heard it here first. There's been discussing, discussions for a long time, and it will be more contingent on getting the ACF property up to speed. But the talk is to have a river walk that goes from that area all the way down to the riverfront uh, park. And that would possibly be removing the flood wall and replacing it with a retractable flood wall like they they did in Louisville right. on the Ohio River. So it's kind of stackable and everything uh, to where when there's no danger of a flood, which is 99% of our <laughs> time, yeah, you've got potentially now baseball right on the river. Yeah. Uh, or if, if not, you know, the views right are on there. The, river, the view of the river is that's there. What, that's what I was uh, saying. Like, I'm sure when they finally get done with it, that the views will be enjoyable. So to be yeah. able to catch a summer or, a, you know, a late spring game, early summer type game when the weather's just perfect in Huntington and to catch that breeze coming off the river, chef's kiss. You can't beat that. Yeah. Yes. I'm really looking forward to this location versus the other. Uh, not that I hated the old location. I just find this one better. Yeah. Uh, I'm a baseball nut, as you know. Uh, I think that the view is going to be better. It's going to be uh, an easier walk. It's going to be like you mentioned. I hadn't even thought of that. Right next door, maybe they can share some of the training facilities that are so similar in baseball and softball and just combine that and elevate both both programs. So I'm, I'm kind of pumped for it. Yeah. I mean, instead of building two, I don't want to say – I don't want to use, well, I'm going to use the word, but this is, it's going to come off wrong. Instead of building two discount training facilities, now you can just put the mm -hmm. fun and build one big one, you know what I mean? And have something yep. really nice that's dedicated to both programs um, because, you know, each, each sport has its own sport specific type stuff that they need there. You know, obviously baseball and softball aren't perfectly interchangeable, but to be able to put a lot of those uh, shared type facilities that both uh, sports will need in the same building and, and have it, right next to their field for their respective stadiums. That's perfect. Uh, I mean, really, yeah. what, what was the big draw of having it on fifth Avenue other than the fact that you would be able to drive by it every day? I mean, that's it the biggest. A, it, was a, it was a, uh, an available location. Right. I right. But I mean, that was the only draw. Now. Yeah, yeah. Versus this one. Now that, the biggest draw is, Oh, I won't be able to drive by. I'll have to go out of my way to drive by the baseball stadium. So but if what? you think of that, I mean, you know, where it was located, you had a lot of traffic driving where foul balls and right. home runs, unless they put a huge net screen right. up, you know, which kind of, and the, the aesthetic is just not there. Right. You know, uh, you've just got, I mean, it's a bleak area of town until all of this construction gets done. And I mean, we may be looking at 10, 15 years before all of that gets built up. You know, we don't know. Right. Uh, it's still in the teardown and in BASF's case, they haven't started any of that. So, 
Yeah. Uh, you know that I love the new location. Yeah, I do too. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a step up by, I don't know if I want to say a step up by accident, but it certainly might turn out to be by convenience. There you go. By by convenience. Let's do that. Uh, Speaking of facilities, let's touch on a couple of things regarding Jones C. Edwards stadium as we tied into the clamoring for a baseball stadium. Now it's now we know Mm -hmm. that Jones C. Edwards stadium is going to be getting new turf. Um, And that's for a number of reasons. A, yeah. The, the turf they've been on has just ran its life cycle. It needs replaced. It's on seven years, and that's around the, the time. And, you know, you could uh, hear comments about people, myself included, saying when you're watching it on TV, it kind of looks faded out and yeah. everything. If, you, if you've if you been down there real close to the field or even on the field, you would see that, hey, this is, this is needing replaced. You know, it's, uh, some of that luster is gone. What you don't want to do, how many injuries have we Correct. seen on, on, on bad turf over the years? Uh, knee tears. Uh, everybody remembers Kajana Carter coming in to make a big splash, and then a preseason game, he, he shreds his knee uh, with the Bengals. You don't want things like that happening to our players. Uh, but that is one thing. It's the end of the life cycle. And go on. I know what your next point is on another reason why they're having to uh-uh. do it. Field graphics, you can't go into Sunbelt Conference with Conference USA all over your field. So, nor do we want to. We <laughs> want everything Conference USA wiped off. You know, uh, in fact, I plan to try to get over there and uh, cut up some of that turf that has that logo so I can send it to Judy. Uh, and say, <laughs> As a parting here gift, here you go. Yeah, <laughs> here's yeah. my exit. I'm gonna, make her, <laughs> I'm gonna make her sign for it too. Yeah, yeah. signature required. So I know, yeah, but, but along with that, it, that brings up some emotion as far as the baseball stadium goes when people say, well, we got money to build, uh, put new turf in, in the Joan, but we don't have money to build a baseball stadium. And to that, I say, well, yeah. A, the turf is already in your budget. That, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a known thing that has to be replaced. It has a lifespan yeah. and it's in your budget to have that replaced. And B, yeah. it ain't an either or. You can have both. It's both. It's both. And, you know, it's, I mean, I'm not getting into because I don't have privy to, you know, Marshall's uh, uh, monetary standing, you know, I'm not in that position. But I do know that a Division One school has money to do some things if they so choose. Yeah. You know, Uh, and there's also a separate fundraising thing specifically for this baseball facility. So it's just totally different than, like you said, something that's already a line item that was a line item known seven years ago. Yeah. You know, but what are you going to do? Say, well, we're not going to replace our Conference USA turf that could get someone killed. Exactly. You know, <laughs> until we get a baseball stadium, that it doesn't happen that way. You know, uh, we're we're getting new turf. Uh, you know, we're we're seeing things coming for the Henderson Center. You know, we this will probably be a future show we'll we'll have more information on, you know, but there's upgrades there for, you know, practice and offices and training and and stuff. All of these are independent of each other. They're all needed. And you cannot just say, well, we're not doing anything until we get this done. There are some obstacles to the baseball stadium that you can't just say we're not doing anything until we do that because you're getting stagnant or worse, you know facilities yeah. need upgraded the the other thing you have to 
remember is whether you want to admit it or not, Marshall football drives the most revenue. So they have to continually also give those guys the tools they need to put the best product on the field, right? If yeah. that's what's bringing your money in, you have to get them what they need. So it's not like yeah. they just put new turf down two years ago and now they're replacing it again. Okay, that's yeah. not what it is. Right. Everything's just kind yeah. of falling in line. They need new turf. They're changing conferences. It's like, well, we got to do it anyway. It just, thank yeah. God we didn't put new turf in two years ago. You know, thank God yeah. we're doing it. We need it now and we're changing conferences now. It works out. That's a plus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about with the Jones C. Edwards Stadium is this rumored, I don't know the term, I'm just going to say beer garden, because that's kind of what I've, I've heard. Sure. Party deck, beer garden, uh, you know, similar premise and concept. You and I have had a lot of discussion uh, personally, privately about this. Uh, neither of us can say that this was our original idea. No, God, no. with, you know, uh, <laughs> but, but uh you know, most people know that the aluminum bleachers were put in as a necessity, as a temporary thing that turned into a long-term solution. Yeah, uh, We had to have to, you know, because of the conference realignment that we were shooting for, we had to install some bleachers in the end zone to increase our um, uh, attendance, you know, capacity. And the rumor is those are coming down and it would look like what it did in 99, 98, 97. Uh, since they closed in the end zone, you know, I was here. Uh, I wasn't here for the first game in the Joan, but I was here for the second one. Uh, and, you know, it used to be uh, there was just two sides and that was kind of it. You know, they've expanded some things and, and put in, but you had this kind of flat, end zone concrete surface that that exists now and then you had ronald mcdonald inflatable on the <laughs> on the top of mcdonald's behind it uh, they are not talking about putting that back in ridiculous you know, but, touchdown uh, <laughs> ronald where <laughs> <Yeah>. are you <laughs> <laughs> but but no uh you know you you've heard the exact same thing a beer garden a uh, party deck kind of deal and you know before any of our listeners uh would say, well, we don't need that. Uh, I, I'm not calling anybody, you know, a, a stick in the mud or anything like that, but there were some people that, you know, voiced their displeasure that we would serve alcohol in the stadium a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And I hope that there's not the same kind of fervor, even though it's uh, the minority saying that about this, because as I understand it, it would just be like any other concourse that you go to in several other stadiums to where it's a place that you can go over there. There would be like high top tables and everything. And people would not be possibly there in the stands with, uh, you know, ordering beer or whatever and having to get back up. They can watch the game from that area right there. Ultra cool atmosphere, I would say, because you're standing and walking around and everything. They have it at, uh, you know, my favorite baseball stadium, Great American Ballpark. You know, there's places to stand and watch the game and stuff. The big kicker, and, and I'm not trying to cut you off before you get to talk about the, the beer garden aspect, but the big kicker to this rumor is what you and I had talked about before is the need for more sweets. More sweets, yeah. Yeah, and why is that important? There's a waiting list and has been for a long time. You know, 
people are not giving up their skybox suites that they've had for a long time. Uh, you know, we built some new ones, bookended uh, the uh, the top level, you know, a few years back. That added a little bit of capacity, but it also allowed us to to get some of these people that were on waiting lists, get them a skybox suite. Now, if they build these down here, you've got the opportunity to possibly build them bigger and better. It's obviously a different view. They would be newer, of course. Uh, so there might be, you know, you give the uh, the existing Skybox suite people uh, first uh, first serve. Hey, do you do you want to move over here to these? Mm-hmm. And if they decline and they keep their own, then you've just got more people with the availability to get a Skybox suite. So much needed. And I'll let you talk about everything that I've talked about before I go on and just control this topic because there's more that I want to say about yeah and that's I mean that's totally fine but the point is every year if you've got a waiting list for suites every year you don't build them as money you're leaving on the table and Marshall's just lots of money Marshall's just not in the position to be leaving money on the table year after year after year if there's a demand for them build them I mean build them now yeah yeah, the bleachers have been in the way and you know now now we're starting to see the beginnings of what could ultimately become that uh, but backing up a little bit before we get into, you know, sweets and all that stuff. I think we've shown now that by and large alcohol sales in Jones Edwards stadium is a non-issue, right? It's a non-issue. It is, yeah. it, it's, it, it's not like there's fights breaking out like left and right in the, in the bleachers all the time. And I mean, you, you were having that anyway without alcohol sales in the stadium. Okay. So I've got some breaking news here too, KD. Okay. Um, I I'm checking my notes. Uh, I can confirm there was alcohol in that stadium before it was legally sold in that stadium. <laughs> I, I, I've gone through my notes here. Uh, I am, I am confident. Yeah. Um, in, uh, <laughs> let's see. Section 115, circa 1997, might as well have had a liquor license because, you know, <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny the uh, the presence of alcoholic beverages in the student section uh at that time so yeah uh, but no the presence of a beer garden is cool it improves fan experience right because they're talking about you're you're looking at ways let's look at it in a strategic way number one it gives you a reason to stay in at halftime one because now you can go Mm -hmm. congregate on the concourse instead of walking out of the gates and congregating at your tailgate people are still going to do that but some people aren't they're going to congregate on the party deck right um, number two, it forces all those fans that sit in the end zone to the sidelines, which now means you look fuller on TV because you are fuller on TV. You're louder, louder which makes the zone more intimidating than it was previously. If you can really yeah. get loud on a third down when your opponent has the ball, that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you make a stadium mm-hmm. formidable, right? Um, I, so I go you back. remember, of course. I, I was just going to say, you remember, of course, when we were in college, before those bleachers went in, you know, it just seemed like that We Are Marshall chant was louder it because was. everyone was directly across from each other uh, instead of having some, you know, to your right or left, depending on your uh, side that you were seated on in the end zone in the corners. And, you know, let's let's eyeball it. Uh, there is easily, I'm going to say, 3,000 people in those end zone seats. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm not saying full capacity because I think be it's closer to like 10 or something like that. I think, I, they I, added... think it, I think it 
eight. And, was it? And I think okay. it went from thirty thousand to thirty-eight thousand. Okay. Was what was in my head, but I'm saying like that are currently sitting there now. Oh yeah. Uh, no, it's I, never I think packed. You're looking at. Yeah, I think you're looking at three thousand people. So putting fifteen hundred more people in otherwise empty seats on the sidelines, uh, I think that just really, really increases that that thing that the Joan always had. You yeah. know, uh, it was an intimidating place to play. Yeah. You know, like a nine ninety two uh, winning percentage for a long time. You know, up up until like two thousand four. Yeah. Every now and then I'll go back and and tweet out like. You know something. Something sparks me to tweet out the overall record of Marshall while while I was a student, which was a long time. Yeah. I don't have a doctorate yeah. degree, but it does tell you how long I was an undergrad. Yeah, but we only lost yeah. two games at home too the whole time. And, I was and that's a, that's amazing. Two games in fourteen years. Yeah, I can't I believe it. <laughs> six seasons, right? Uh, six seasons. I'm not shy about saying that. So we lost two games the whole time I was an undergrad, and I was an undergrad for two and a half seasons before we lost. Maybe it was three and a half seasons, 97, 97, three and a half seasons, because we didn't lose until like late September, early October of 2000 when Western Michigan came in and beat us in a game. Uh, so I really didn't know what losing at home was as a college student for three years, three and a half years. And that's amazing when yeah. you think about that. And and the the people that were in just, you know, a couple of years before us, yeah. you know, all that, <laughs> you know, in the, in the 90s, all those playoff games, yeah. you know, that, that were in there, it just really added to it. And I, I can remember, and I know you will as well, um, it was the, the shirt that had the record, you know, winning us teams in the nineties. And mm-hmm. we were up there and then Nebraska, I think yep. was right below us. It was like us in Nebraska and Miami and Florida state. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I look forward to getting that atmosphere back. Yeah. Obviously with a winning program, the atmosphere is going to get back as well, but it will force what I think, uh, you know, I just think it will force, an atmosphere because of the position of the people yeah and you know like we mentioned louder uh better view on tv and i'm sorry i've had season tickets in the end zone general admission you and i used to sit up there all the time yeah um i now sit on the uh on the sidelines and everything i enjoy the view better from the sidelines and i hope that these fans will and you know, it was just so affordable to get seats in the end zone. And I hope that they will allow that, you know, to to be like, you know, still on the end zone, but not up in the corner. You know, you're on the sideline. I hope they'll kind of grandfather that lower price in, uh, you know, at least for the first year or so, so they can retain those people. Well, I mean, I would hope that they would uh... – at least one, the last section would continually be like the $99 season ticket or the $110, whatever it is, whatever the lowest, lowest price point is. I hope there is still a a fair allotment of tickets that is dedicated to that price point because uh, a lot of people want to continue to go to games and you can't price your fans out. You you can't do that. That's, that's, that's the death knell for a program. Once you, once you start pricing your fans out and they are like, well, I mean, it's just now it's just cheaper to watch at home. And uh, yeah. that's going to be easier to do being in the Sun Belt because they have so many games on ESPN platforms. So that's a tight rope you've yeah. got to walk. So anyway, uh, yeah. but yeah, I want to talk about those suites real quick and then 
uh, we'll we'll keep moving. Uh, we we've talked about the idea. I, I like the uh, if you want a reference of what I'm talking about, go search what Southern Miss did with their football stadium a few years back and how they did their end zone suites mm-hmm. and their facilities there. And I think that is a really good blueprint of what would work um, at Marshall because, you mm-hmm. know, we are very much peer schools. We're very much uh, in line with one another. So that would be something along those lines. I mean, I'm not saying it's got to be obviously exactly like that. We've got to do what we need to do to fit our budgets and our needs and all that kind of stuff. But Russ and I have talked on a personal level many, many times at tailgates and just in general conversation, because like we said in the introductory episode, we care, we care about Marshall and what's going on here and fans have opinions. And we like to think that we, you know, we only want what's best. And through all these number of conversations, we've talked about building more suites because a, they want them. They will be gobbled up immediately and uh, it's just a way to not leave revenue laying on the table. Also gives you an opportunity to build like another big green type room in the end zone. And Russ made the good point. Uh, I'm sure he'll remember because he doesn't forget anything, by the way. Um, that's a great area to, where business deals get done. I mean, that's where yeah. commerce happens. That's where business moves in those rooms. When you've got those mm-hmm. decision makers having a good time at a ball game and they're already thinking in a Marshall frame of mind because they're at Jones C. Edwards stadium. Now all of a sudden some deals might get made and some wheels may get greased and things start to happen. So, you know, it, it I'm not saying that, of course that's happening already, but having a newer, nicer venue to where guys are like, man, this is really on an uptick here. I really like what's going on here. I want to be a part of that, you know? Yeah. So all things to consider. Don't, don't leave money laying on the table. Um, something. Uh, Cause we can't, we can't say for sure. But we know it's not going to pay for itself, but it might come really, really close. Definitely yeah. over yeah. so many years, it's probably going to be uh, a pay for itself and then some. And then you know, some. On, on, right. on, on what you're looking at, you know, the price of the, the suites, uh, you and I kind of did a visual mock-up, you know, from my tailgate spot, uh, you know, when we were waiting on fans to come you and I were looking at it and we walked over there and, and kind of eyeballed and said, you could fit this many, yeah. you know, and, uh, and we were talking about, you know, uh, not just one level of suites, but, you know, different, different levels and that sort of thing. And the potential there is just great. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they could, I mean, Marshall owns that alley. They could, kind of shut that alley off during the game to where there's your entrance right there. Elevators go up and put that in. And I mean, the, the potential is unlimited. Yeah. That end zone is really a, uh, an area that could drive fandom into the next couple of decades. You know, we, we, the bleachers have run their course. We've proven mm-hmm. that we don't need them. We got them because we had to have them. And now things are going in the opposite direction. Nobody's pushing for 50,000 seat stadiums at a G5 anymore. You know, they want mm-hmm. to fill their season ticket fan base and be able to sell out a game for a marquee opponent or for a conference opponent, you know, and look full all the time. You want to be near capacity all the time. So, you know, with technology advancements and streaming and being, you know, the ease of watching a game now, um, it you have to do different things to – to uh, make yourself more appealing and a, and a 50,000 seat stadium at one time in Huntington sounded like the way you needed to go. And now it just yeah. doesn't. 
No, because you and I have talked about attendance a lot. And, you know, even the, the years when we were undefeated uh, in 99 and in 96 and the playoff games that were there, you know, you can look these up. Which There's we did. Of, yeah, we did. I had a list. And if I can ever, you know, uh, finish that list, I'll put that on our Twitter just year by year. Uh, and, and things like that kind of spark some discussion to show people. But we're not bringing in 40,000 people nope. regularly in that, our stadium. We're it's not, happened like three times ever. Yeah. So let's talk real quick about capacity. I mean, ever so briefly, uh, I've got it up here right now. 28,000 was from 91 through 93. And then when they got the end zone kind of closed in finally and everything from 94 to 99, it was 30,000. And that covers, you know, uh, 97, 98, 99, like right. we were talking earlier. They put in those bleacher seats and it was 8,019. And they were there from 2000 to 2012. It was 38,019 was the capacity. What happened in 2013 was those bookend skybox editions that we were talking about. And that up the capacity to 38, 227, which it is right now. Yeah. So with that in mind, you're losing some of these seats. But what you would gain back is the skyboxes count towards your, your capacity. So we don't, might not be lowering it that much. You know, I mean, I'm not suggesting we're going to have room for 8,000 people in the skybox, but the lower level is staying you right. know, in there. So we're just talking the aluminum. Uh, right, where the band is at stays above. and the section beside yeah. that stays. Yeah, yeah, 228 and 230 on one side, you know, and all of that. Uh, that is going uh, supposedly by next year. You know, yeah. we're, we're hearing that, that, that that's going to happen. Uh, with that comes a new video board right. from, from what the rumor says. You and I have had blistering discussions about what they need to do. <laughs> Can I get my stats back on the scoreboard, please? Please. I want I want Buffalo to be demoralized to know that they had 476 yards thrown on them in the first half by Byron <laughs> Leftwich, you know, because they're looking up at it at all times and just go, Damn. Man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you know, we want those back. And I mean, how often have we talked? You can put whatever kind of video board up there that you want, but can we please use that video board and not just have it be 50% advertisements, if not 75% advertisements? Yeah. Yeah. Where it's a, it's a uh, 50 by 50 video board and you're using the 10 feet in the middle, you know, uh, and never putting a replay up, you know, I mean, let's <laughs> use it. Yeah, let's, let's use, use it. it. Make your fan experience even better with these little things. Give me my stats back. Give me replays. Give me all that good stuff. That's the way it's going to be. All right, Russ. I always wanted those team stats. Always wanted. <laughs> well, who doesn't? I mean, you want to know if yeah. you're lighting it up. Like, I know if we've you know a couple of episodes in already, and we've talked about Western Kentucky a lot. Can you imagine having the stats available oh, yeah. of that 2014 game? Can you it imagine? Would be insane. It wasn't. Insane. If you go back and look at the box score, it is insane. So, but to yeah. have that in real time, tallying up as the game's going along, it would be a yeah. mind boggling. I want that back. Yeah. I want that back. Um, coming up on the uh, next episode of the Thundercast, we're going to continue our series of 
of the spring ball discussion. We'll talk about uh, what's going on with the herd and who's making waves and who's raising a little bit of eyebrows and all that good stuff. We'll take you back around the herd with what's going on with some of the other sports around the athletic department. And we'll have some other goodies along the way, including we'll start a series of our very own Marshall Thundering Herd NFL draft prospects. And we'll talk about uh, those guys and where they might make some good fits for which teams. So, Russ, if you got any parting words, let's have them. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I want to have everybody hit us up on Twitter on the, uh, the Thundercast underscore pod uh, Twitter handle with some discussion uh, that, you know, from, from our episode here. Uh, chime in with uh, your thoughts on some of this stuff. We'd love to hear from you. But that's all I've got. The uh, parting word that I will say is this episode, as we mentioned at the start, was sponsored by 304carwreck.com. Please find them on Facebook as well. Go to their page, like it, and share it. That's right. The Thundercast brought to you by 304carwreck.com in West Virginia, 606carwreck.com in Kentucky, and 740carwreck.com in Ohio. Find that Facebook page, like it, and uh, share it. If life happens, let those guys do the heavy lifting for you. They're the pros. I'm not a pro. Um, Seek out the professionals. They'll get you taken care of. I'm sure of it. Um, My parting words this week are, it's great to be back behind the microphone on a consistent basis. I hope that um, you're having a good time doing this, Mr. Russ, living good. Moving forward, I'm I'm sure this will become – um, not just a, not just a hobby, not just uh, something you enjoy doing, but hopefully, uh, it turns into a real passion like it did for me. Um, uh, you know, uh, you once upon a time were a broadcast journalism major when we were students together and I was not, and I absolutely love this. So you had a love for it before. So I'm hoping to rekindle mm-hmm. that and, and hope we can continue to do some special things, but folks, um, until next week, Russ is right. Find us on Twitter at thundercast underscore pod um please download rate and subscribe to the show share it with your friends let's grow this base interact with us on twitter until next week we'll see you around the zone later later